I think it's an easy choice. I think it's the Pistons. It's the Bonus. They're a good enough team. I love Bradley Beal, but I don't think they are. You can look at their recent draft picks. I mean, it's bust after bust. I mean, the Jazz keep teams in the game with turnovers. They're averaging uh, 15 per game this year. He's just built different. Welcome to the Dumb, Dumber, and Dumberest Sports Podcast. And today we'll be talking about the NBA's first quarter. Let's start off with introducing the other guests. We have Ricky again. Hello. And we have Gabe as well again. How's it going? We will start off with the top six teams in the East. Let's go with Ricky first. So my top six team predictions in the East are number one, starting with the Bucks. The Bucks to me look like one of the best teams in basketball overall, not even just in the East. I'd say behind the Warriors and Suns, they look like the best team right now. Number two is the Nets. As long as you got Kevin Durant Harden, you're going to be a scary team offensively. Not a whole lot of teams can keep up with them. Number three, I actually got the Bulls. The Bulls look really good. They don't have a true, true superstar, but they have a lot of players that mesh really, really well together. Number four, I got the Heat. They got a great star in Jimmy Butler, and they've got a great bunch of role players around him and great coaching as well. I Number five, I got the Celtics. Not a whole lot to say about them. I honestly don't know. They just have too much talent not to be in the playoffs. Six, I got the Sixers. Without Ben Simmons, they've struggled a little bit this year. Not saying Simmons is a superstar, but he's still a solid player that would benefit him. What do you think, Gabe? Uh, for my top six teams in the East, I'm going to start it off with Brooklyn because it's just no matter what team is thriving right now, the Nets are just too good of a scoring team with a combo of Durant and Harden. They're top 10 in shooting, assists, and steals right now and have a positive differential in almost every stat. For number two, I'd say Chicago. Congrats to this team that no one saw being this good. Caruso is playing defense like a madman. He could be up there for defense player of the year if the usual names weren't performing well. And they have solid chemistry this early, which has them rolling. Number three, Milwaukee. Giannis is a freak. That's pretty much all you need to know. The Bucks are beating their opponents in everything except blocks. They've proved they can be a threat down the stretch. For number four, I've got Miami. They have the Stars and are playing lights-out defense right now. And Jimmy Butler makes a huge difference for that team when he's on the court. For number five, I have Washington just edging out the sixth team simply because they're a little bit better in all parts of the game except three-point percentage. Bradley Beal has been a solid leader, and who knew that the Lakers trade would help the Wizards almost more than it helped L.A.? Number six, Charlotte. Charlotte, they haven't done anything special at all except sneak out a few wins, but with the core they have, they should be fine and get hot soon. To be honest, they'll need to if they want to compete at the end of the season. So mine is going to be... People aren't going to really like this one, but it's a team that I thought was going to do good after their free agency. And uh, it's going to be the Bulls at number one. They all are super unselfish players, and that's going to benefit them the most in the East, I think, because you have too many teams that are player or ISO like heavy. And that team really doesn't have to go to ISO, but they can. Uh, number two, the Bucks. Giannis is back and actually healthy. Bucks is back and healthy. They're the reigning champions, and they have. One of the craziest athletes in the world playing for him. Three will be the Nets. Uh, they're missing Kyrie a lot more than I think they thought they were going to. No, they're currently one in the East, but I don't think they can sustain or sustain that. Number four, I got the Heat. Just a really good chemistry team as well. You always hear about Heat culture and how 
it's just do your job, kind of like the Patriots. They're always going to be in the playoffs, basically, after LeBron era. Celtics we have at five. Uh, they're definitely missing Jalen Brown right now. I know they've been going through some injuries. I think they need one more player. I think they need more defense, unless ISO ball as well. And then number six, I have Sixers. Joel Embiid's one of the best centers in the league. And if they do, by any chance, get Simmons back, they could climb higher than that. Uh, what do you guys think about the West? What do you think, Rick? So for the West, I feel like there's basically just a tier of what teams look like the best and then kind of some teams below them. The Warriors and Suns are in their own tier. They're just, both teams look insane. I got the Warriors barely edging out the Suns. I have the Warriors one. And all I have to say about that is Curry's going to Curry. If Curry stays healthy this year, he's winning MVP. He's a monster. Too high of the Suns, and like I said, it is really close. They are right behind them. The Suns, to me, look like the most complete team in the entire NBA. They don't look like they have a single hole anywhere. Well-coached, great role players, got a couple stars. I mean, great defend, great defending center, everything. Three, I have the Jazz. Jazz are an extremely well-coached team. They got a couple stars in Mitchell and Gobert. The only thing I think the Jazz are missing, I think they need one more star to help keep up with the Warriors and Suns, but that's just me. Four, I got the Clippers. I think PG's doing about as much as you can. They, they're they missing their main superstar in Kawhi, but I once again, I think they're a pretty solid team all around. Five, I actually got the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies are pretty damn good. I think even when mom, I mean, shoot, the Grizzlies are on a five-game win streak without their main player. Morant's been out, and they're still finding ways to win games. So they're clearly well-coached. They got some good, solid players. Six, I got the Mavericks. I honestly don't think any team, six or below, is all that great. But I just don't have much faith in the Lakers, and I don't have much faith in the Blazers to come up. So I'm just going to put the Mavericks here because I think they're the least terrible of all the other teams that I could put in this spot. What do you think, Gabe? Most of my list agrees with Ricky. To start off, for number one, I've got Golden State. They're the only NBA team that's positive in every stat differential, which means they're literally destroying their opponents in every way. When they get Clay, 100%, they're just going to be a different breed, along with Curry balling out as usual. For number two, Phoenix is the obvious choice. They're exceptional at not turning over the ball and getting steals when needed, plus they're the most efficient shooting team in the league. For number three, I've got the Jazz. I mean, there's a big leap after two. They're far better than anybody else after. They have struggled a little bit, but they'll get their feeding together and be a solid team come playoff time. Number four is the Clippers. It's really tough for four to six, but they look like the fourth best team compared to everybody else. They get out-rebounded often, but are one of the better three-point teams in the league, which really helps. Number five, Memphis. They haven't done anything special. A pretty average team, but what they're doing without Jaw is pretty damn impressive. Number six. Like Rick said, it's really tough with all these last teams. I had to choose the Lakers. They're a top 10 scoring team in their top 10 shooting percentage-wise. They have good interior defense, get a lot of blocks, but pretty much lack almost anything else. Okay, so I'm going to start. 1-2 is going to be the same for everyone. Uh, Warriors will be number one. The Warriors have definitely proven themselves from last year's performance. They're definitely inexperienced, and I think that if those young players were on any other team, that they wouldn't develop as fast as if they didn't have Clay, Draymond, and Curry. Jordan Poole and Wins are both playing really well, and Curry is definitely an MVP form. And this is all without Clay and Wiseman still. So two will be the Suns, and I honestly could I could see them getting number one. I just think they will end up number two or number three. Uh, they 
are the most well-rounded team in the NBA. As Ricky said, they have no holes. Their duo and Booker and CP3 has just got better, and core players like Mikel Bridges, Crowder, and DeAndre are playing really good in their positions as well. Number three, I have the Utah Jazz. They uh, might be three and a half games behind, but I think they will catch up to those two by the end of the season. The Jazz started to find their groove a little bit. They've had a really rocky start, very inefficient. Uh, and that comes from the inefficiency and their problems kind of weigh on Clarkson and Mitchell just because Clarkson runs the second unit and Mitchell runs the first unit as the main scorers. Uh, and you have key players like Rudy Gay, Bogdanovich, and Mike Conley, and Rudy Gobert just anchoring down the middle of the defense. They are still uh, number one in offensive efficiency this year as well. Number four, I have the Grizzlies. I think that John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. have figured out the league a little bit more. I think it's their third year together, and one of the years were kind of cut short because of an injury to Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, I just think those two and all those young players and how much heart they play with will just keep them in four or five all season long. And then I think John Moran will probably win most improved player, even though he was doing really good last year. He's just all-star caliber this year. And like everybody else said, five-game win streak without him. And that shows a lot, especially in the West. Number five, I got the Clippers. And they're missing Kawhi really badly. Uh, all of Paul George's numbers are down across the board from a year ago, which is pretty surprising because he, especially in points, it was this year he's averaging just under 21. And last year he was averaging... Just about 30. And he doesn't have Kawhi. I feel like once they get Kawhi back, it'll help both of them. Just because the defense has another person to lock into. Uh, number six is a tough one. Because there's a lot of injured teams. And a lot of just trying to pave their way teams, I guess. And I would say that... I think it'll be Denver that will get the sixth spot. They've been playing without Jokic, and they did just lose uh, Michael Porter Jr. And eventually when they get Jamal Murray back, they'll make that run, and I don't think they'll be in the plan. All right, and let's see. Let's go to... Go to a topic that I touched on a little bit in the top five. Let's go to the Utah Jazz's struggles coming down to turnovers and shooting percentage. Uh, one thing I I really hate is the Jazz keep teams in the game with turnovers. They're averaging uh, 15 per game this year, and that's 24th best in the league. So that's really bad, like bottom six in the league for turnovers per game. I didn't say that was their Achilles heel last year because they were averaging 14.2. That's one thing they've really struggled with just the past two or three years, honestly, is just turning the ball over, and that's why they can't beat some teams because they beat themselves. And the efficiency 
is definitely something that's hard on them. When your star player, Mitchell, isn't shooting well, shooting under 30% to start the year, and your sixth man of the year last year also in Jordan Clarkson was shooting under 30%. Both of them have definitely picked it up. They're in the low 30s still, and I think the Jazz just need to overcome this hump. I think the Jazz can compete with anybody. They got the talent to do it. I think the biggest thing that really, not the biggest, but I think a couple things that hurts Utah come playoff time is, like you said, turnovers. Turnovers are huge. Teams play a lot more physical in the playoffs, so it's hard for undersized guards to be the guys to carry a team in the playoffs simply because everything is a lot more physical. And I think an underrated thing this year is going to be the fact that the refs are allowing guys to play a lot more physical. So we'll see just how physical the playoffs are if the regular season is like this, if that makes sense. Another thing is Gobert's defense is incredible. He's one of the best paint protectors in the NBA, but teams do exploit him come playoff time when they try to draw him out to the three-point line. So Utah has to find a way to help Gobert out and make it to where he's not constantly trying to guard the three. So we'll see. They're a solid team. Like I said, they can beat anybody. They just have to figure out some matchups in the playoffs. One lineup I seen that or I watched them run against the Cavs was small ball with Rudy Gay at center. Or it was Pascal or Gay at center. What do you think, Gabe? I'm not really too worried about the Jazz struggling. I mean it, it definitely hurts. It gets in players' minds, which might be why they've been struggling for a little bit now. I could definitely tell from the from what I've seen from the Jazz that Donovan Mitchell does get in his own head sometimes as many NBA players do when they feel like they have to carry a team. They definitely have the pieces to compete with anybody, as Ricky was saying, and they'll get back on track, definitely. All right, and then another question we have is, can Luka carry a team in the NBA to the title? And we'll let Gabe start off, because this is his question and favorite team. The simple answer is no, not right now. With the current state of the Mavericks, the organization needs to give him more pieces or a third star who can help every team in the league has a bunch of players that just outshine compared to the Mavericks roster another thing Luca needs to just stop complaining about refs and stop making unnecessary shots that he doesn't need to take especially since he's not the best three-point shooter he definitely can lead them in the future and it might not be on the Mavericks which is something crazy to say but he's a future mvp player and i'm just not confident about his present but more confident in the future yeah i'd agree with that i think that they need to move on from porzingis because although on the roster they do have two stars he's not he's not healthy often enough he's not there he's not playing consistently enough to make that team or have that team play their best think they need to trade him for a piece i I don't really think it matters what position because honestly if they just trade for a good three and d player which is another thing that they need a lot is defense and i think that that'll kind of push them over the lower half a hump for the nba or the west what do you think rick i think luca is a solid player he's a top 10 player obviously offensively he's a superstar can, he can shoot a little bit. He can score inside. He you know can shoot some free throws. Great passer. The biggest issue with the Mavericks is defense. Luka doesn't play much defense. Porzingis, they brought in there thinking he was going to play defensive, but even Porzingis hasn't been doing much. And the biggest issue with Porzingis to me is that, just kind of comparing players, I feel like the Mavericks are doing to Porzingis what LeBron did to Kevin Love, where Kevin Love was a guy that can do a lot of everything on offense. 
and they're basically just asking him to be a three-point shooter, and that's just Porzingis can do way more than that, and I think it's hurting him. Not only that, but I feel like their role players, like they're basically their blue-collar guys, aren't up to standard for a lot of like contending teams, and I think they're missing that stud-type center that can play defense, shoot threes, score a little bit inside, catch some lobs. I just don't think they have a supporting cast. I think Luke is fine. I think Luke can, can do it. He's just going to need a better team around him. He's not he's not a one-man army, but I mean, the only person that really is is LeBron, Curry, and Durant. So. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, let's go on to Rick's question on how long will the Kings playoff drought continue? Uh, I'm sorry that you're a Kings fan. Here, we'll- it's probably going to be for a very long time. The Kings just are a team that doesn't drop superstar talent in free agency. I think their ownership is awful. Vivek is an awful owner. He keeps on hiring horrible GMs, and those GMs go on to hire horrible coaches. I mean, shoot, the Kings record since Vivek purchased the high majority of the team back in 2013 is 31-49. and 49. That's the average record. That's awful. Since Vivek dropped, or not drafted the team, I'm sorry, since Vivek purchased the team, the Kings have gone through multiple GMs, multiple owners, and you can look at their recent draft picks. I mean, it's bust after bust. I mean, the only ones I can remember off the top of my head are guys like Ben McElmore, Nick Stauskas. Don't remember when Jimmer was drafting. It might have been before. That might have been 2010. But Nick Stauskas, Jimmer Fredette for sure. Or not Jimmer Fredette, I'm sorry, Ben McElmore. Marvin Bagley's a recent one. Bagley's been awful. They drafted, I want to say, another guy pretty high a few years ago who turned out not to be super great. I can't remember his name right now. Recently, they've been doing a little bit better. Fox wasn't too bad. Fox is a solid player. Halliburton's looking good. Davion Mitchell this year looks great but king's ownership is a big reason why i think the kings aren't great and i think they need to move on if they're going to be better with that what do you think gabe yeah the kings are definitely in a struggling point right now i mean they did the first step in becoming a better team which is fire luke walton because jesus christ he he was been ruining that team for as long as he's been their head coach i don't know how great of a coach alvin gentry has been replacing him i'm sure they won't stick with him either halfway through the season they'll find somebody else or at the end of it not sure what direction they're trying to go but like rick was saying the ownership is just awful because they have the pieces Darren fox is a star mitchell has been playing great as a rookie and they're just it's a hard league right now there's just a lot of teams that can beat a lot of teams and if they don't have the right coaching or ownership or whatever it is the right people guiding them they're just going to lose more games and they're going to win yeah i'd agree i think a crazy stat is that luke walton has the second best winning record in king's history i think that just shows how long it's been since they've been a good team it's been like early 2000s just going off of that really quick the king's best record since he uh, purchased the team get this 39 and 43 that's our best record since 2013 best yeah, that's not, a, not good, especially in the West. But yeah, I think, and then you have to also kind of look at Darren Fox. He's been playing like crap to start the season. I'm not sure if he's picked it up since Luke Walton's been gone. No. <laughs> His spots are definitely Halliburton and Mitchell right now. And Harrison Barnes, he's just always a steady constant for that team. They are missing defense. They are missing offense. Their point guard right now, but uh, that will pick up, I'm sure just because we know what De'Aaron Fox can do. Defense is what they need to focus on and just kind of strain up the offense, basically. Let's go to, is the title only going to be between the Suns and the Warriors, even though they're both in the West? I personally believe that it will be. I don't think there's any team in the East that will be consistent enough in a seven-game series to beat a team in the West, especially out of the top two. 
And I think the Suns just have more chemistry than any of the top contenders right now currently. They have the experience in the finals, although Curry, Draymond, and Clay do, but a lot of their role players don't, but all of the Suns role players do. And some of them have multiple finals. Or, yeah, finals appearances. Yeah. It's going to be tough, though. It, it's either going to be them and the Warriors are close, I think, because they have a great team. They're, they have depth as well. And then they have Curry, who's definitely going to win MVP this year if he's not injured. But I do want to see CP3 win the title. And I think he has a great chance this year, just as well as he did last year. I think the NBA Finals comes down to four teams, being honest. I think the Warriors and the Suns are the favorites for sure. It's one of those two that are going to be the the favorites. But I think the Bucks and the Nets are legitimate contenders as well. If we're being honest, the top three best players in the world in no order are Curry, Giannis, and Durant. By none, in my opinion. As long as you have one of those three guys, you've got a great chance to win. The Bucks have the almost the same exact core that they did last year, and they won last year. And they're just now starting to get healthy. They've won nine of their last ten, and they're just rolling. They don't have another superstar besides Giannis, but they've got the star talent and the role players to compete. The Nets are the opposite of that. It's literally superstars or none. But as long as you have Kevin Durant, you're going to have a chance. Durant's about as good as it gets, especially on offense. And with Harden there, if Harden can play well in the playoffs, they'll be dangerous. The Warriors, same thing with Durant, same thing with Giannis. As long as you have Curry, you're going to have a chance. And as soon as Clay comes back, like you guys talked about, the Warriors can get twice as scary. We don't know. And they have great role players. Jordan Jordan Poole might win sixth man of the year this year. Has a very good chance to win it. And then the Suns. The Suns are the only team that's interesting because they don't have one of those three guys. Those other three teams have one of those three guys. The Suns just have a lot of guys that just go out there and play and ball. They're well, like I said, when I was talking about them earlier, they're just well coached and everybody knows their role. Everybody plays their assignment really well. Alrighty, what do you think, Gabe? Um, to me, the Warriors seem like the best current pick to win it all. They are dominating so far this season. They're first in points per game and third in points allowed per game. Their 13-point differential is by far the highest in the lead. It's league. It's not even close. They just beat their opponents in every facet of the game, and it's incredible. They have the guys that have been through the playoffs. They have the guys who know how to win in the playoffs. It's just the history, knowing how to how to win, how to play in the playoffs, and not getting tired. There could be a good chance we see a, a repeat matchup with the Bucks and the Suns, simply because those are two of the more totally built teams in the NBA. The Bucks at times in the playoffs last year, I don't know if it'll be the same, but they did have moments where if Giannis isn't playing good, then Chris Middleton isn't playing good and Drew Holiday isn't playing good and that could happen again this year it could end up bad for them but I do think that they're the most physical team and that could really help them out down the stretch the Nets have the star power to get there that's pretty much about it they score a bunch of points but at times their defense just looks awful and if they do get tired down this stretch or get hurt then they're not going to be able to keep up but if they can stay healthy and Harden and Durant can play lights out then they're a dangerous team the Suns, the Suns have just this overall thing where I don't understand what it is, but they have a player who's almost good at everything. Like they have one player that's good for every single facet of the game. DeAndre Ayton is looking like he's going to be a, one of the top big men for years to come. I loved him in last year's playoffs. Chris Paul is the perfect game manager. He just knows where to put the ball at all times to give them the best chance at scoring. Devin Booker, he can shoot lights out. He does have times when he just falls off, which really does hurt the team. But with CP3 there, they definitely can make up for when Devin Booker is playing bad. Let's go to name a team that we think has the greatest future and that's not already in title contention. Uh, let's go with Gabe. The obvious choice for me is the Memphis Grizzlies. From John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. to even somebody like 
Dylan Brooks, who may not be one of the best players in the league, but he's a solid third player for that team. Team's young and they're dangerous. They're already proving that this year, and they proved that last year when they beat Golden State in the play-in to advance to the playoffs. Despite his recent injury, Morant has proven that he's going to be a top 10 player for years to come. He's He's just built different. And with the great ownership and coaching they have, I could see them jumping from an average 7 to 10 seed towards a 3 to 6 seed in a couple of years, just being one of the better teams in the league with how young they are. I think it's an easy choice. I think it's the Pistons. No, being serious, though. I think there's a couple different teams that have some really good cores, and then I'll kind of base it off from there. I really would love to say the Kings. I think they got a good young core, but coaching is always a problem, and they just can never seem to put it together. I think Gabe's probably right. I think the Grizzlies are probably the best choice because Morant's Morant's already a top 10-point guard. is only getting better. Jaron Jackson Jr. is looking like a 3-and-D type guy that can go out there and get you 20 a game, which you don't find guys like that very often. Another team, though, that I think can be really sneaky, and I'm actually going to go with them instead, is the Hornets. I think the Hornets, I know they're the 8th or 7th seed right now, but they're kind of pushing the brim, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with them. And I think this year they might prove that they're very legit. I think LaMelo Ball is already probably a top 10 point guard. If he's not there, he's damn near close. I think Rozier is a solid shooting guard slash point guard kind of hybrid type guy. And then I want to say it's McCall Bridges. Miles. who's just my, It's Miles on that team. My fault. Yep. Uh, Miles Bridges is looking like an absolute stud out of nowhere this year. So they, they got pieces. I think they're going to they're gonna be really, really, really good for years to come. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I'd say the Hornets as well because they have LaMelo Ball. He's averaging eight and a half or eight point three assists, two steals, twenty points per game, and seven rebounds. Shoot thirty nine percent from three, forty one percent from the field. They definitely have their star there. Miles Bridges can easily be another All Star caliber player. I mean, he's averaging twenty points, forty six percent from the field, thirty two percent or thirty three percent from three. Let's see, he has seven point three rebounds, one point two steals, three and three point three assists. Gordon Hayward's averaging 17 for him, shooting pretty good, 337.8, so 38. Kelly Oubre is definitely playing better this year as well, averaging 16.5 for him, 46% from the field, 39.4% from the three-point line. Then you have just Terry Rozier, who's a great just scoring guard for him, averaging 17.7, 35% from the field. They're just, they have so many good players, and I think that's what's going to make them a title contender in the future because most of them are pretty young. They have a few veterans, which every team needs. Um, if I could throw out another team real quick, they've got a great young core, is the Cavaliers. If you think of their mixture of Sexton when he's healthy and Garland, those are two great scorers right there. And then just throw in some of their younger players. Evan Mobley, I talked about him during the draft. I loved the big man who can score and play defense, and he's really proven that so far this year. I don't know how he is on the terms of rookie of the year i imagine he should be up there and then isaac okoro has been playing good for how young he is and i just think that team right there has a future ahead of them with how many young good players they have at each position yeah they're a really good solid team and very young let's do most surprising team this season and why let's start with ricky so i'm actually going to talk about the team that gabe was just talking about i'm going to go with the Cavs. I think there's a lot of teams that you can choose here. I think the Grizzlies are playing a lot better than people expected. I mean, shoot, the Warriors are playing a lot better than people probably expecting. Just 
I mean, they're 20 and four, I want to say. That gets insane. But I'm going to go with the Cavaliers due to the fact that offensively, they're actually struggling this year, which is odd because normally they're better, pretty, pretty good offensively. Defensively, though, they've been insane. Their record as of now is 13 and 12, which is respectable for that team. They're 19th in offensive rating. Like I said, offensively, they're still trying to figure it out. Sexton's been hurt for a while, so that's hurt them. That's their 20 points per game guy right there. But defensively, they're fourth in defensive rating this year. And I'm going to tell you why. They picked up one guy, Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley, that we were just talking about game, the third overall pick this year, has been an absolute stud. I mean, he's drawing Kevin Garnett comparisons already. I'll tell you his number. 34 minutes a game right now. He's averaging 14, 46% from the field, 33% from three, eight rebounds, two and a half assists, one steal, and almost two blocks. Almost two blocks and a steal as a rookie. That's insane. He's really turned around their defense because normally they are awful in defense. Not only that, but an underrated pick for them was Jared Allen too. Jared Allen has been balling this year. Garnett, uh, not Garnett, I'm sorry. Garland has been balling this year. They've got the pieces to really start turning things around and I'm looking forward to watching them for years to come. What do you think on this one, Gabe? So most surprising team, when people think of that, they think good. I'm going to go the opposite way, and I'm going to say the Pacers. The Pacers have been awful this year, which I don't know how many years in a row they've been a playoff team, but for the fact that they started 10-16 and 16 this year, they've basically already given up. They've put Miles Turner and I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm just going to say Sabonis on the trade block this early in the season. They're getting beaten badly at the three-point line. The difference per game is 3%, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it leads the league, and it's a lot. Even though their opponents are shooting the third least amount of threes per game, they're giving up the ninth highest three percentage on defense. In a stacked East, where a lot of teams are young and you're growing a little bit older, they just can't keep up, and they look to be starting a rebuild. Ooh, this is tough. Because there's a lot of surprises this year. I'm going to say the Grizzlies being fourth. I think that the Grizzlies being fourth, especially not having jawed the last five games and winning those last five games, is very impressive, especially in the Western Conference that is known to be the most competitive. They're above teams like the Clippers, Mavericks, Lakers, Nuggets, and the Trailblazers, all teams that were above them last year, I'm pretty sure. They have one of those players that is a pure defender but can still score. And Dylan Brooks, they have John Morant, who is a great facilitator and scorer and pretty solid on defense. His shooting is proving. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., who's prototypical uh, big for the NBA right now. A 3 and D, very athletic, can finish in the paint. Yeah, they have some really good young players on that team. And I think that them being fourth right now, I know it's only about 24 games in the season, but I think they're proving themselves around the league. I'd like to add about the Grizzlies, too. You can tell they're pretty well coached if they've won five straight without their star player, too. So that's another thing you can add to them. I believe their head coach, I uh, forget his name. Do you do you know it by chance at all? I don't know it off the top of my head. I know that he is a part of the uh, Greg, well, it might not be Greg Popovich. Taylor but Jenkins. I know. Taylor yeah, Taylor Jenkins. Jenkins. He was, he, I think he came from the Spurs G League with Glenn Snyder. I believe they were... I had okay. an assistant coach there together. So, I mean, they have, you can kind of see the similar similarities in the teams. So, yeah, another thing about Grizzlies is they're 11 and 5 in the Western Conference. So, they're, they're beating up the teams they need to. Yeah. Let's go ahead and finish off with who do we think will be in the play in? And we'll just list the teams. We don't really have to give reasons because right now it's, there's a lot of teams you just don't even know why they're down there right now. So it's something that you can kind of guess, but it's going to be a tough one. Uh, let's start off with uh, East, and we'll start off with Ricky. Who do you think the play-in teams will be, and who do you think will make it into the eight? 
I think the plan teams are going to be between teams like the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Raptors. I think teams like the Cavs and Hornets are going to pick up a little bit. I think the Sexers, or Sexers, the Sixers are probably going to be the seven or eight seed. But I think, ah, shoot, fighting for the eight seed, it's probably going to come down to the Cavs, Hawks, and Knicks. Actually, I think the Raptors are just missing pieces. So I'm going to redact my statement. Yeah, I think it's going to be the Cavs, Hawks, and Knicks that are fighting for that eight seed. I think the plan is probably going to come down to those three or four teams, give or take, all fighting for that spot. And I think the plan is going to come down to the Hawks, Knicks, and yeah, I'm going to have to say my Cavs, the Hawks, Knicks, and Cavs. I think the Hornets are going to be safe. I would agree with that. I think it'll be Hornets, Washington. I don't think they'll stay like as consistent as they've been. I don't. I just don't think it'll last. The Hawks and the Knicks. I think the seven seed for sure will be the Hornets and the eight seed tough because the Knicks were a great playoff team last year, but the Hawks were even better. I think the Hawks will get that eight seed. I think they will find their stride and they'll get hot winners just like they did last year. What do you think, Gabe, for the East? It's always so tough, but I see Washington dropping down out of the top six, falling into either the seventh or eighth. Philly will find a way to move up there back into out of the play in, probably into the five seed. Boston will probably stay a six seed. So Washington would probably be a seven seed or an eight seed. Charlotte's going to be a seven or eight seed. I see Cleveland, as much as I was talk- we were talking about how we love them, I see them falling out and a team like the Knicks fa- finding their way back into the 10 seed and Atlanta being the 9 seed. And then who do you think has the 7 seed for sure? And then who do you think will make that 8 spot? The 7 seed for sure, i definitely say Charlotte. Charlotte's going to get hot. They have a better team than Washington. Washington might be overperforming just a little bit. And then Washington get that 8 seed. They're going to make it to the playoffs. I don't think they're a good enough team. I love Bradley Beal, but I don't think they are. Uh, Let's go to the West, and I'll start this one off. I think the Lakers will get seven and lock in at seven. Timberwolves will get the eighth seed. Next seed will be Mavericks. Tenth seed will be Blazers. And for, like, the lock-in at eight seed, I think it'll be close between the Timberwolves and Blazers. I just, you always have to believe in Dame. And I know they'll be missing McCollum for a few games. They're expecting him to be out for six to eight weeks. Yeah, so I just think the Trailblazers are too still too good of a team. They didn't change much. I think they just need to figure out. They have a new head coach. They just fired their GM. What do you think on that, Rick, for the West? I think the current standings are about how they're going to stay, if you are looking at them. I think the only team that has a chance to push up is actually, I disagree with you, I think the Blazers, without McCollum, are going to struggle for the reason you think they're going to be fine. They didn't change their core much, and I think that's half the problem, is that their core is not good enough for them to compete. I think if Sacramento, all of Sacramento's young core can pick up and get hot, I think they can jump up real quick. Because Fox is struggling right now, and they're still the 11th seed. So I think if Fox picks up, I think they have a chance to actually climb all the way up to that ninth spot, and then fight for that 8th spot with the Nuggets. I think the plan, the team that'll come down to the plan, is probably those bottom four teams you see right there. I think the Lakers, Nuggets, Wolves, Blazers, and Kings are all going to fight for it. I think the Lakers are probably safe with that seventh spot, though. So for that eighth spot, I think... Shoot. I'm going to I'm gonna take a bold prediction. I think Sacramento is going to get the eighth spot. I think they're going to win the plan. And they're going to get it. I think they're going to beat probably the Wolves to get that... Wolves and Nuggets to get that eighth spot. I don't know where the Blazers are going to be in that, but I, I see Sacramento getting that eighth spot. What do you think, Gabe? All right, I see the exact same eight teams from last year's playoff going into this playoff. I think the top four teams will stay about the same. I do think the Lakers will drop out of the top six and have to do a play-in game, and Denver's going to move back into that seven spot. And then I think it'll be Dallas, 
at the seven spot, Lakers at the eight spot, Portland at the nine spot, and Minnesota at the ten spot. And I think that Dallas and the Lakers just move on, and it'll be the same exact playoff setup. Not the exact seeding, but the same eight teams as it was last year. See that? All right. Well, that is all for the Dumb, Dumber, and Dumber Sports Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.